chances are there are discs in your bag that you don't really need. So today I want to take you through a thought exercise that I think is going to help every single one of you listening or watching this. And that thought exercise is basically going to help you and maybe retrain the way you look at your bag and how you build your bag to decide which molds you really need that truly fit your game. Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio. Welcome to episode 18 of Teach Play Disc Golf, a Gladiator Disc Golf podcast. I am so excited to have you for today's episode. We have some really cool, I have some really cool things planned. I always do that. I always say we, but it's just me. (laughs) It's just me. I don't have a team of people, Uh, but I am really excited to have you with me here today. I have some exciting things, some really cool things, and some things that Uh, are popping up in disc golf a little bit more that not super great not I don't love talking about some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today but as you saw or as you heard in the intro we're going to be talking about how to build a bag that fits your game that's the first thing we're going to discuss and then we do have a disc review today of a disc I've had for a few months sponsored by OTB Discs. They sent me an MVP glitch, or no, they didn't send me this glitch. It's sponsored by OTB Discs, the disc review. But I got this glitch. Um, obviously, it's a disc that has taken the disc golf world by storm. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk about the glitch with you guys. We have some current events uh, to discuss some things that m- maybe all of you, if not some of you, are already aware about. We're going to recap the Des Moines Challenge, and then we will talk about the Preserve uh, coming up this weekend, and that will be episode 18. So let's go ahead and let's get into how to build a bag that fits your game. Okay, so this thought exercise I want to take you through is, I just want to come out right from the beginning and say, it is not the only way to build your bag. There are a lot of different ways that disc golfers build their bag based on preferences and that kind of thing. But what I'm wanting to kind of talk you through and coach you through about today is an exercise that will maybe show you some uh, overlap possibly in your bag and or just you know show you that you can have fewer discs than you realize. Um, now side note to that first off, you know, yes, there's nothing, this is not the only way to build a bag, but the side note after that is that there's nothing wrong with a bigger bag. There's nothing wrong with carrying 20, 25, 30, 35 discs. If that's what you're comfortable with, you have a shot or a need for all of those discs, but this is still a good exercise to go through because it really forces you to start asking the question, why do I have this disc? When do I throw this disc? Do I need to have this disc for this particular shot? So let's go ahead and let's kind of talk through really, this is kind of how I build my bag or have been building my bag recently, but it's kind of always what I've gravitated towards in general. So the very specific angle I'm coming at with a strategy in mind is that I... I am not a firm believer 
that you need every stability with a different disc of a speed class, meaning you need to have for fairways an understable, neutral, and overstable fairway in your bag, along with an understable, neutral, and overstable distance driver, along with an understable, neutral, overstable mid, and so on and so forth for the putter. I do not believe that you need to have each of those specific slots figured out in your bag. I am a believer in layering discs, finding what works for you, and finding the speeds and stabilities that meet your uh, game and meet your skill level. So, to get started, I want you to find a disc in every speed class. When I say speed class from here on out, I'm talking about putter, mid-range, fairway driver, distance driver. Now, some Disc golfers out there also have a category between fairway and distance called control driver. Uh, that is fine. If you want to have that specific category when you're going through this thought exercise, I do not. I just keep it simple with four classes. So when I say speed class, putter, mid, fairway, distance driver. I want you to find a disc or think of a disc that you can throw straight slash it's your go-to disc. Okay, so think about that putter. If you had to throw one putter, what is that putter going to be? Same for your mid-range, uh, fairway and distance driver. So for example, when I think about uh, the putter, I think about the mint bullet. That is the, if I had to go play a one disc round and I was told you, can pick a, you have to pick a putter, easy, mint bullet. That's what I'm going with. Okay, so I want you to kind of think through those through through that lens right now. Think about this disc. Now, this disc is your starting point for each of the speed classes. Every disc golfer needs a disc in each class that they can control and throw effectively on different lines. There's a reason why I said throw it straight slash it's your go-to disc. Um, very few players have a star or a champion firebird as their go-to disc. Uh, it's maybe their go-to utility disc, get out of trouble disc, their overstable headwind driver, same with a destroyer or Zeus or anything like that. But I'm talking about something and I want you to think about a disc that you can throw effectively on different lines. So it's going to be a little bit straighter than any of those discs. This disc shouldn't just be an overstable disc because it is your favorite. Now, if you're listening to this and you can throw four or five, maybe even touch 600 feet, you can probably take a disc like a destroyer right out of the box and get some turn on it. And so that's okay for you to be thinking about a destroyer if that's the case or if that's the position you're in. But for the average disc golfer, we're probably gonna be looking at something more like, hey, maybe a Thunderbird or maybe, you know, uh, the Discraft Passion or uh, the Athena or the M or the Axiom Crave or the Lone Star Disc Mockingbird, something along those lines, a, a more neutral disc. So that is the starting point for each speed class in your bag. With each class that you go through from putter to mid to fairway to distance driver, I want you to now think, okay, what are your strengths and weaknesses as a disc golfer? Once you have those four discs picked out, what are your strengths and weaknesses as a disc golfer? If you don't have a lot of power, 
you probably don't need or uh, you probably don't need to have any slash a ton of distance drivers. If you are just barely touching 300 feet, like that's your max drive, you probably don't need any distance drivers or at least anything that's uh, not an understable distance driver. If you have a lot of power, meaning you can take a destroyer out of the box and get it to turn, or you can take a firebird and make it fly like a thunderbird, okay? Something along those lines. If you have a lot of power, you probably don't need a lot of understable discs because a more neutral disc like a T-Bird, it might be fairly understable for you when you really rip on it and get a good toss with it. The other thing is, are you forehand or backhand dominant? Because even though like the differences in those throws is not just the way you throw, it's also how the disc reacts with the spin, the clockwise spin versus the counterclockwise spin. Forehand on forehand discs tend to turn a little bit more because of that torque. Okay, so the disc characteristics will affect your choices if you're forehand dominant versus backhand dominant and vice versa. So I want you to kind of think about these are just, you know, some some points to start up. I think about your strengths and weaknesses as a disc golfer in regard to distance, power, shot selection, shot preference. What is your game? Do you prefer powering down discs? Are like, are you comfortable powering down a disc or do you prefer always throwing, sort of speak, full power so you like to club up maybe? Um, so think about those things. Now, once you have that disc in each class figured out, consider how you like to throw it because that's going to dictate the other discs you need in that class. For example, uh, I've been throw. I just put the Crave back in my bag, but I've been throwing for a while now the bullet, the quad, and uh, the bobcat and the jackalope. So I've been rocking those discs for a while now, and I throw all of them a little differently. And so those four discs in particular are going to dictate the other discs that I have in my bag. Okay. So like with the bullet, I have uh, that as like my go-to putter. Okay. So. I throw the Eternal Mint Bullet. It's got some good stability on it. I can throw it on all angles. I can throw it with Anheuser. I can throw it flat. I can throw it on Heiser, and I can manipulate it. So I don't have a whole lot of other putters paired with it. I have one other putter in the bag. That's the Lone Star Disc Armadillo, okay? And I like this disc to pair with my bullet because it's a different profile. It's got a little bit of a thumb track. It's flippier because I've you know basically beat it in at this point because I throw it quite a bit. And it's easier to forehand, it has no fade, and the disc doesn't skip. It's a great approach disc, which is what I mainly use it for, where my, where my bullet is for drives, long approaches, and potentially some scramble shots. So between those two discs, I feel pretty confident in covering all of my putter shots. So now, looking at that, I don't have anything that's maybe really flippy. So when I go up to the next class, mid-ranges, I start thinking, okay, I need to have maybe something that will flip when thrown flat or even hyzer flip super easily. Like I can get both of those putters to hyzer flip, but I'm talking about hyzer flip to turn, like getting something to come around a corner on the backhand 
or be a nice little soft whip up forehand. I like to have that kind of shot in the mid-range slot. So this is the thought process I want you to start going through when you're thinking about your putters. Why do you choose why did you choose that one specific putter? And I want you to start with your putters and work your way up to drivers. So why did you start with that putter? How do you throw that putter? What shot can that putter not do? The bullet can't, I can forehand the bullet, but it doesn't feel as comfortable or fly the same as when I forehand or backhand the armadillo. Two different types of shots. And so they work really well together. And so I just want you to start asking those questions. What can the disc do? And then what can it do? And for the things that it can't do, that's the slot that you want to fill, either within that speed class or within the next speed class. So now, in this case, if I want something more stable, because I don't have an overstable putter in the bag, I have to club up and learn to control my power. And that's what I do with the Bobcat. I like the Bobcat because I can really throw it on power, have it fly super straight with a nice fade at the end, or I can power it down and get some more flex shots or some softer approach shots with an overstable mid. This sort of process helps me now flesh out the rest of my bag. I didn't have an overstable putter, but now I have an overstable mid. I didn't have something super flippy for a putter, but I can add that with something like I've been messing around with that piece train I reviewed for you guys a couple weeks ago from uh, Jester Disc Golf. That thing's pretty flippy, so that makes a good, nice flippy mid-range to have in the bag. So I'm starting to fill these slots in. Now, here's where... Here's why it's super important to think about your game specifically as you go through this thought process. If I'm bagging 10 discs, let's just say, like we're going super simple, I'm bagging 10 discs. I'm telling you right now, I could easily put seven of those discs between putters and mids and just carry three drivers. Like the way I play my game, what I prefer, I'll take control and accuracy over maybe the extra 20 or 30 feet that a driver might give me. And when I've done rounds where I flip-flopped it, I still I shoot better um, or the same when I stick with my putters and mids. So that's just my personal game preference. It's what it's my style of play, which is why you need to think about your style of play here. So I throw, I'm a big putter and mids thrower, so I carry anywhere, like in this small bag of like, you know, 10 or 12 discs, five to seven putters and mids, depending how I'm feeling and how my game is feeling. So I then might only have two or four, two to four drivers in the bag. And so that's going to change my shot, my disc selection for those drivers and that kind of thing. And whereas I like to have a lot of my stabilities covered with my putters and mids between layering or covering slots one way or another, with my drivers, I'm a, I'm a little bit more open to angle control. Now you still have to, I still have to do angle control with my putters and mids, but with drivers, right now I'm rocking with the Crave, but I was throwing Mockingbirds not too long ago. That's a you know neutral to understable seven speed depending on your arm speed. And so what I like to do is actually take that and that is my fairway driver. And neither of those are super overstable, so I will learn hyzer angle with them powering down, controlling that, choosing when to throw it in a headwind and when not to, shot selection, 
that kind of thing. And so I'll choose basically one seven speed driver. That is my go-to driver, bread and butter. When it's time to club up to a driver, I'm grabbing this disc first. That disc that I just described there for me being, you know, maybe the Mockingbird or the Crave or something like that should be the fairway driver that you thought of at the beginning of this thought exercise. All right. And so because of that, I, you know, those discs are, you know, neutral to understable, but neither of them are super duper flippy. Okay. So I don't have a true understable seven speed, but I can throw both of those discs on Anheuser with control and get them to fly the way I want them. So when I need something, but if I need something more understable, that'll turn super quickly. Or if I want something more overstable, I'm going to have to club up a little bit more. Now with overstability clubbing up, um, you have to account for speed as well. So for right now, I'm, I'm actually going to be throwing this weekend for the first time, the West Side Bear. I'm super excited to throw it because I've thrown the stag before and loved it, but the stag was always a little too finicky or it wasn't quite Thunderbird stability. It was always less than that. So I'm excited for the bear to be, which is a little bit slower than a Thunderbird, but about the same stability. So it'll be fun trying that out. But my understable uh, faster driver is the Guad. I know the Guad's listed as a seven, but it has a nine or 10 speed rim. So I have that kind of above my uh, my other seven speed in the Crave. So basically what I'm doing here is like, I'm using my bag as an example. And my bag's always going through shifts because I just love trying new discs and testing new things for you guys. Um, but I'm basically talking through the slots that I'm filling and the way I like to build my bag. I can throw the Crave in this case, forehand and backhand on Heiser, flat and Anheuser with control, predictable flight, I know exactly what it's going to do. So when I need something that's going to be more understable or more overstable, I actually club up to faster discs to get some of those more desired effects. Um, and that's sort of how I build my bag right, you know, within there. I prefer controlling the nose angle and the speed with neutral discs ver and bagging utility discs for special shots mainly those overstable discs it might be a bear one time an alpha an orc a xenon um when i need it for a specific course but for the most part i'm not carrying a lot of overstable discs um in in my bag because i can manipulate the other discs to fly that way obviously a crave on hyzer is not going to fly the same as a t-bird or an eagle but for the style of disc golf that I play, it doesn't make that much of a difference for me. But it might for you, which is why you need to kind of keep in mind your your bag as, gonna, as, we're, as we're going through this exercise. So to kind of wrap this whole thought process up, when you are building your bag, start with those four discs in, and one in each speed class and think about how you throw that disc, how you like to throw that disc, how you can throw that disc. And then ask yourself, what shot is missing that I can't execute with this disc as easily, right? And it's that shot that you're like, hey, I can do all these other things, but I need this one thing. How can you fill that slot? And what you're going to find is as you go through this practice over and over, because it's going to take some time, you got to get used to your bag. One, you're going to find that you don't need as many discs in your bag as you think you do. Now, if you want to keep them in your bag, that's totally fine. But if you're trying to pare down a little bit, this is a great way to help with that. So you'll figure out which discs you don't really need. 
you'll also start to analyze your game a lot more and not in the overly critical sense, but just better understanding how you play so that you can make better disc selection choices out on the course and online and in stores when you're buying discs. You kind of figure out, hey, this is actually what I really need. Uh, this disc is really cool and I love the stamp, but I don't actually need it. So this is kind of going to help you do that. And if you are someone like me who likes to try new discs, mess around with some stuff, but you have a couple old time favorites that you just kind of keep in cycle. This is a fun way to just kind of start building up your collection so that it's like one day, hey, I'm not feeling like throwing the crave, so I'm gonna go ahead and grab the jackalope. So I'm not feeling like the jackalope, I'm gonna grab the mockingbird. I'm not feeling like the mockingbird, I'll go grab the crave. I want something a little more overstable, so let me grab the eagles that I have and put those in the bag. You know, and you can kind of basically just have a selection of discs that you know what to do and you know how to build a bag around them. But that's going to take some time. So I hope that was super helpful. Building a bag, there are so many different ways to go about it. I know my, you know, you guys have seen him before, Matt. He builds a bag completely different from how I do it. And when we talked about this a couple months back, it was like really hard to process at first how he builds his bag because it's so different from me. But the way he builds his bag really works well for his game. And the way, you know, you might build your bag is totally different from me. Uh, in the you know with the disc selection and everything but this can be a great exercise to kind of help you figure out the best way to do that and then if you want to start filling in other slots having some more utility discs and that kind of thing you can do that but at the bare bones of your bag you better understand how it works and the the kind of game plan that you can have going into a course so i hope you guys found excuse me i hope you guys found that tip super helpful I know it's something I'm constantly thinking about how to build my bag, what can I do to be better? Because at the end of the day, like I still have to improve as a disc golfer, but there are elements to my bag that like I need to figure out what works for my game and how I like to throw. I like to throw with a little bit of natural hyzer. So if I just have a bunch of overstable discs in my bag, I'm not really going to get those hyzer flip, up, flip ups uh, like I want them too. So, you know, having those more neutral to understable discs works for me, especially with my ultimate Frisbee background. So I hope you guys found that helpful. If you did, I would love it if you could go ahead and like this video or share this video or leave a review. If you're listening to the podcast version, it would mean so much to me. And if you need help building your bag, you could comment down below, uh, ask me a question on Instagram, or you can go ahead and leave a review or if you want really uh, detailed uh, coaching on building your bag, you can send me a video on GiveGo and I can help you out with that. I know for those watching the video, there's the little ticker that's going on the bottom of the screen here with all the information periodically throughout this, uh, throughout the show, throughout this episode, and you'll see the information there, but also in the description, you can find that information. So hope that I can help some of you with that. Um, but let's go ahead and now let's talk about one of the coolest discs on the market, the MVP Glitch. As somebody who came from an Ultimate Frisbee background, the Glitch is a really cool disc. It by no means feels like a Frisbee. Like I literally have the Frisbee, you know, we talked about the Ultimate Frisbee, the uh, one of the last episodes. I have it right here. It's very different from the Glitch. Totally different size, both, you know, uh, diameter and height. Very different doesn't even fly the same because the Frisbee 
is significantly more understable. But the glitch is really, really cool. And it's, and it's because of the glide. So the glitch is one speed, seven glide, zero turn, and zero fade. And I will say it, is, it holds true to those numbers. I have not actually really tried to rip on the glitch. I've just really thrown it. It's a, you know, what does it say? Hybrid catch disc. So it's 150 grams, I think. So it's lightweight, perfect for catching. My wife and I were playing catch with it when we were traveling the other weekend and she loved it because the Frisbee's a little too tall and this is a lot uh, shallower, so it's easier for her to catch. And so glitch, really cool disc, feels great in the hand. It's a little awkward when you're used to disc golf discs to go pick up a glitch, um, but it's a lot of fun for catching and throwing. That glide is true. This dish just glides forever and ever and ever. And I will say zero turn and zero fade in my experience with this disc is true. Now, for those of you who have maybe thrown the glitch a lot more, you probably can get it to super duper hyzer flip and turn at this point if it's beat in. But out of the box, I'd say it's pretty accurate to those numbers. Um, it will hold the line you throw it on. Truthfully, the only other disc that has been um, this accurate to zero zero for the turn and fade that I've thrown is actually the Loft Discs Hydrogen Putter, which um, I don't have it readily available to compare, which is unfortunate. I'm looking here where I know I have one unless. Ooh, Sorry about that reverberation. I hit the mic by accident. Um, I can't find one right now, but uh, very similar actually. Now that I kind of think, although the loft uh, or the, excuse me, the hydrogen had maybe a little bit more dome. But yeah, so very true in my experience to the zero turn, zero fade. This disc is great for catching. I can't recall if they've made them in heavier weights, but I know they're super available in lighter weights. Really cool stamps are out there. A lot of cool dies from a lot of different disc golf dyers out there. Um, fun disc, I highly recommend if you are wanting a disc to maybe get some friends or your significant other or your kids into disc golf, the glitch is actually a really cool option for them because it's super easy to throw because it glides so much. And for catch, it's really easy to catch and you don't have to have big hands to catch it because it's a lot shallower than a Frisbee. Um, this disc is really cool. I really enjoyed it. I've played a few rounds with it and I definitely like it. But as we talked about, you know, with the disc golf skill, having the bullet and the armadillo, I kind of have my slots all covered. So I don't really need this in the bag, although it is a fun disc to go and throw. So if you want to go ahead and check out a glitch, OTB has a ton of glitches. Um, so you can go ahead and head to OTB Discs and use discount code GLADIATORDG for free shipping. And you can get a couple of glitches for yourself, for your family, for your kids. Lightweight, easy to throw, super fun to catch. Um, yeah, definitely go ahead and check out the glitch. I enjoy it a lot. I definitely support it and endorse it. Uh, super cool disc. But So that's our disc review. Now I want to talk about something that's a little bit more serious. Okay. Some of you may have heard that earlier this week, Paul McBeth and Dylan Cease of Mixcease LLC, they just combined, keep hitting the mic tonight, I am sorry guys, um, of Mixcease LLC are being sued by a Trevor 
Tonyes, owner or sponsored by Local Root Disc Golf Store in Clearwater, Florida. This is super weird for me because I've been to that store and I've shopped at that store. Uh, not like within the last two or three years. It's a, you know maybe four or five, but four or five years ago. But yeah, it's just weird knowing that I've been there and I've probably talked with this guy. So before I get into all the details of this lawsuit that's happening, the second lawsuit this season that we've had about first with Gannon Burr and Prodigy, now with uh, Trevor, Paul, and Dylan, um, Disc Golf Law and Iceberg TV links to their videos about this will be in the description if you want to go check those out. Basically, the plaintiff is Trevor Tonius, and earlier this year, I believe it was in March, he uh, was hit by a disc in round three of Throw Down the Mountain weekend number three. It was the final round, um, and he was winning uh, MA50, I believe is the division he was playing in. He dropped out because of injury from being hit on the T of 12 from a disc that someone threw from the T of 11, Okay. He dropped out of that and shortly after filed a lawsuit because of his injury. And he claimed a lot of things. Disc golf law lists them all out. So there's a lot of accusations on his part, which I think, and based on what disc golf law explains, McSeese LLC can easily refute with the waiver that every disc golf player signs when they sign up for a tournament on top of the fact that in the United States and Canada, the PVGA has basically an insurance for every player and staff member um, at the tournament. So not like visitors or vendors or anything like that, but if you're signed up to play and you're you know, a staff member running the, running the tournament, you are covered by this. So <clears throat> this is all happening and while, how did Paul and Dylan Cease, who's a major league pitcher, find their way in this? Well, they actually acquired the property for Throw Down the Mountain. I believe it's Grand Canyon. They acquired that property because there was a, a home developer who was going to buy it and turn it into a residential area. And this course is historical in the disc golf community. So they bought it to eventually turn it with hopes of turning it into a permanent disc golf course, um, you know, basically trying to protect that land for disc golf. Well, that's all good and well, but it sounds like some stuff happened and it, a lot of people are basically viewing this as like a money grab on Trevor's part. But the issue and why I mentioned Local Root Disc Golf is that his connection with that store also has highlighted some other things. Nico LaCastro shared a post about this uh, actually a while ago, but it has resurfaced is my understanding that basically they have not paid, this is Local Root Disc Golf, has not paid manufacturers for the discs that manufacturers sent to them, like upwards of thirty and $50,000 just not paid, even though the manufacturers continue to reach out to them for payment. So there's a lot of shady stuff going on here. And the fact that he was hit is super unfortunate, but it's definitely weird, the timing, because of all the accusations or, yeah, because of the accusations that he listed as um, the effects of being hit um, while playing that course, not two months later, 
he played and won one PDGA event and placed, uh, I think, on the podium in another. So it's like, well, how injured could you have really been if less than two months later you're playing and winning? So some shady stuff. I am not a lawyer, nor am I versed in law, so I'm not really trying to get into the weeds of all this. I'm just trying to relay some of the information I've heard, mix in a little bit with my thoughts. But basically, from what I've heard thus far, unless something else comes out, McSeast LLC doesn't seem to have anything to worry about, allegedly. <laughs> I'm going to throw that word in there, all right? <laughs> they don't seem to have anything to worry about uh, just because it doesn't seem like they've done anything wrong. I don't even know that Paul or Dylan has posted anything about it. And I think that that's appropriate, that they don't need to worry about that. That's why they have an LLC. Everything will be done through them. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if this settles out of court. But a lot of people are really ticked off about this on the interwebs. And they're saying that they, when they win, you know, if everything is as it seems, if and when they win, they should counter sue, which would be really funny. But... We'll see what happens with that. As I hear more, um, I will share it. If you hear more information and you want to share it with me, you should join my Discord server. That way you can be part of our growing disc golf community there. We talk all the time. It's a really good community. We're always helping each other with different things and just talking about disc golf all the time. So if you want to share information there about it, you can go ahead and join with the link in the description. All righty, let's talk about the Des Moines Challenge before previewing the preserve. Now I'm gonna say this, this part's gonna be really short, everybody. And that's because I didn't watch a single hole of coverage. I was traveling, my wife and I, we were celebrating our anniversary this past weekend. I wasn't watching disc golf, I didn't even play disc golf. And I did keep track of scores on PDGA Live. But yeah, um, so I don't really have a whole lot to say about the tournament itself other than just things I noticed on social media slash what I noticed when keeping track of scores on, you know, uh, grip six picks, you know, my ranking there, which I never do well, <laughs> but, um, also with PDJ live. So a couple things that I noticed, I just wanted to mention is one, I mainly follow the FPO. I've said it before on this show on, on this season, really. FPO has been way more entertaining for me this year than MPO. And I don't know why. I wasn't expecting it, but I've just really enjoyed it. And I was really excited to see Paige Pierce compete. She did really well the first uh, two rounds. And then the last round, super lackluster. She was several strokes under par going into the final round. And then she ended up shooting over par the final round uh, in round three. Kristen Tatar won, and she played really well. What was interesting, and I have it pulled up here, is that, let me get the right one pulled up, uh, this tab, there we go. So for FPO, Kristen got first place at minus 17. Second place was Missy Gannon at minus 11, a six stroke difference. Third place was a three-way tie with Jennifer Allen and Stacey Ronsley and Macy Vela Diaz at minus seven. And then sixth place, uh, was Valerie Mandahano, Maria Oliva, Kat, and Kat Mersh at minus two. So the top three spots were significantly separated from the rest of the field, but even those three places were significantly separated. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, 
there were weather delays, big time. MPO only played two rounds. FPO did play all three rounds, but wherever they stopped on Saturday, they basically picked up there and resumed on Sunday. And then when as soon as they finished round two, so to speak, they continued into round three with no break and no cuts. So MPO only two rounds. FPO did play all three, but it was very different. And that could be part of the reason why we saw uh, Paige Pierce maybe not perform as well round three. I did not get to see her play, but I did hear on like hole five, she asked the crowd what they wanted her to throw, and that was the disc she threw. I don't know what to make of that, but that is what happened. Uh, and I kind of also just ran through uh, FPO results. I'll wrap those up real quick. In ninth place, we have Vanessa Van Dyken and Ella Hansen and Paige Pierce at minus one. So, you know, I was really excited for Paige. She shot a 58 round one. She was one stroke behind Chris, and I was stoked. I was like, let's go. Round two, she shot a 64. Makes sense. It was starting to rain. The weather wasn't great. You had to finish half of your round the following day. Uh, but then round three, she, she shot a 69. So seven strokes worse than round two, which was uh, six strokes worse than round one. So every round seemed to progressively get more difficult for most players, unless they finished in the top three, those players were all pretty consistent there, even with the weather. Now on the MPO side, I heard that it was pretty interesting, but unfortunately I did not get to watch it, like I said. But Gannon Burr, first place at minus 18, Isaac Robinson, second at minus 16, Greg Barsby, one of my favorites, him and Calvin Heimberg and Ezra Robinson and Gavin Babcock. Man, that's a lot of prodigy people. Ooh, that's something that we didn't talk about that we could have talked about. Prodigy is dominating this year, okay? Even with all the stuff, their young MPO team, dominating. Uh, I know Gavin's not MPO or prodigy anymore, but... Uh, yeah, so they're dominant. So those guys, all third place at minus 15. Anthony Barella, Simon Lazat, uh, seventh place at minus 14. Kevin Jones in ninth at minus 13. And 10th place was Chris Clemens and Brody Smith at minus 11. So the competition was a little bit tighter there. Uh, eight stroke separation between first and 10th place. But overall, the Des Moines challenge seemed fine. Unfortunately, weather changed some things and uh, definitely made it tough for some of the players out there. But we now have the preserve coming up. And this has, I think, has become one of the coolest and maybe one of uh, uh, disc golfer favorites on tour. I know some people don't like the open course, but one thing I actually love about the open course design of the preserve is that they fully embrace it and have unique challenges, not gimmicky challenges, but unique challenges, and I really like that. I do think I can actually watch it this weekend, so that will be fun. It is always fun to watch. And I was looking through the list of players, and this is something I've noticed, um, but I am really hoping, really hoping, I have no idea, I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would not put money on this, but I am hoping that Chris Dickerson pops off this weekend. It has been really strange not seeing him. And I looked at his, um, I looked at his uh, player profile, and 
I don't think he's won anything. He's finished on the podium a few times, both uh, tournaments and te the Tennessee State Championship <clears throat> and Music City Open. He finished on the podium for those. But a lot of other double-digit finishes, regardless of A-tier, major, or elite series, a lot of double-digit finishes, which is not normal for Chris Dickerson from what we've seen of Chris Dickerson. So I would love to see him pop off this weekend on this course. That would be really, really cool. Page winning would also be cool, but I want to encourage you guys to keep an eye out for Valerie Mandahano. She is on fire right now. She was off for a couple months because of injury, and she has now come back and has finished top 10 in each of the events that she has played, if I'm remembering correctly. She got, I read it earlier, like sixth place here. I think at DDO, she finished top 10 as well. So that would be really, really cool. Now, I checked um, Udisc. They don't have the grip six picks up yet. I Like I said last week, I normally record on a Tuesday night, and they're not always available. But if you join my Discord, you can see who I pick. Um, but yeah, so I am excited for the Preserve. It's a cool course. I like it a lot. It's got some really cool water carry, some picturesque holes, and Kayla Visca and the whole team there that work on this course all year round doing a really good job. I'm, ex I'm excited to watch. I can't wait to see how it goes. I will be making my picks and sharing them on my Discord. And everybody, that is week uh episode 18 i almost said week 18 technically yeah about week 18 <laughs> i am super um you know this this has been great talking with you i'm stumbling here a little bit at the end it's been great talking with you i enjoyed it i hope you learned a little bit about how to build your bag especially if you're struggling with what discs to throw this could be a great thought exercise um if you haven't checked out the glitch you definitely want to do that if I hear anything new by next week about the whole lawsuit going on with McSeast LLC and Trevor, um, I'll let you guys know. But outside of all that, hope you guys have a great week. Hope you go out and teach someone how to play disc golf. Give someone a word of encouragement. And if you are looking for encouragement, you can always come to the Gladiator Disc Golf community. We are always, we always are encouraging here and try to uplift people and teach people the game of disc golf. That was why I started this channel back in t September 2019. It's been almost four years, uh, which is just insane. All started because I just wanted to teach people, and that is the mission here, and will continue to be the mission. So make sure you go out there and teach someone how to play this week. Make sure that you have fun playing disc golf and enjoying being out and exercising and just watching the disc fly through the air. It's always a beautiful thing. And that is basically it, everybody. So until next time, until next week, have a great round. Mm -hmm.